let's fucking go. Let's fucking go. Max Struess. Oh my God. What a fourth quarter for the ages. What a wonderful, big time, just clutch three-point shot to win the game. What the fuck just happened? My sentiments exactly. No, no heritage. What just happened? I'm sorry for my tirade. About to, about, probably about to use a lot of colorful language. So avert your ears if you're one of those fans out there that do not like <laughs> to hear colorful language. That said, man, what a thrilling game. That was that was a playoff-esque atmosphere right there. That was playoff-esque basketball. There was some shit down the line that pissed me off, obviously. The Cavs let this game get a, get probably way too close, especially in that second half. But my God, Max Struess. Max Struess, as I believe Serena Winters pointed out, hit four threes in the span of 67 fucking seconds. That is why you sign Max Struess. That is why you sign that motherfucker, because this is what he is capable of. Just just insane clutch shot making. Uh, shout out to the many Cavaliers who also joined him in knocking down some big time shots down the stretch. Namely, Donovan, Spider Mitchell, just built for the moment. This dude, he is, he is a superstar superstar. That was phenomenal basketball. Just phenomenal basketball down the stretch. For anybody that does not feel like this team can close out games, for anybody that's been shitting on JB, yes, I'm going to pound the table. For anybody who's been just shitting on this team for not being able to close teams out. And this is not no bum-ass team. This is a 33 and now 20. I think Bleach Report's updated, but if it's not coming into tonight, 33 and 25. I don't fucking know. Maybe, it, maybe, maybe that's the record now. Maybe it's not. But the, the point is, this is a good Dallas Mavericks team. This is a good Dallas Mavericks team. This ain't the Washington Wizards. This is a good-ass team. And for them to go out there and close them out and do, the, do it in just thrilling fashion, oh, my God. That was a fun game. That was a playoff atmosphere. That gives me confidence. And look, man, like I said, this this is not exactly a, um, not exactly a game that wasn't without its frustrations. But my God, that was fun. That was a fun game. 21 points, four rebounds for 7 to 12 from the field from Struess. Seven triples tonight for him. Seven triples. Tom K says this game felt like a prize fight. Indeed, it did. Tom, so many wonderful shots down the stretch, mostly by Struess. Like I said, four triples within a 67-second span. Built for the moment. Absolutely built for the moment. And mind you, this is coming on. Yeah, that block on Luca was awesome, says uh, Jay Quest. Plus that block on Luca. This was a game in which Luca put up 45, 9 to 14 on seven, uh, 17 to 29 from the field, including 6 of 11 from three-point distance. And Kyrie Irving, we know how good that motherfucker is. I mean, we had him in town for six years. He hit the biggest shot in finals history. We know how good he is. He turned it on in the second half. This dude, Kyrie Irving, for any of you guys who aren't box score watchers, you know what? People say that's a people say that is a derogatory term. I watch the game and I look at the box score, so fuck out of here with that. He had eight points at the half. This dude ended the game with 30. <laughs> he is that good. I mean, we know how good Kyrie is. We know how good Luka is. And to withstand 75 fucking points from the combined duo of Luka and Kyrie and still come up with the W, let's fucking go. 
That's that's a way to win. X beat appreciates you right there, bro. Today I'm staying awake, can't sleep. Three thirty in Spain. That's dedication right there. Let's go, let's go, let's fucking go. Bebo says great win, but I'm starting to have some concerns about the playoffs. Mobley has had his issues on offense, and Garland had another classic disaster. Look, dude, this is a good Dallas Mavericks team. I get it. I, I understand the concerns, especially with Garland. Another kind of a poor performance right and especially from the field just to attend on the night but he did make some timely passes out there made some key plays i choose to believe and this is the thing y'all know me i'm a patient motherfucker out here i choose to believe that darius garland will eventually resurface in regards to the shot making prior to this outing he had actually looked really good um you know Really good coming out of the all-star break in his previous three games. Maybe not aggressive enough as you'd want him to be, but I, I tend to think he was actually playing pretty well uh, prior to tonight's game. But, I mean, again, this is a really good Dallas Mavericks team. They're not bad by any stretch of the imagination. And in a night where Garland is too attentive from the field to get production like this from everybody else, just it, it speaks volumes, man. It, it speaks volumes. Talking and grubbing media says, Mac, most of this fan base ain't patient because we're still spoiled by LeBron and Kyrie. I get it. Like, I, I get it. We we really, really got spoiled by what I consider to be the GOAT in LeBron and what I consider to be the second best player in franchise history. No disrespect, Mark Price. I and mean, there's a couple other guys who have arguments to that title. But I consider Kyrie to be the best, the second best player in franchise history. And he did hit the biggest shot in finals history, in my opinion. To withstand 75 points, though, from Luka and Kyrie and, and be able to do that on a night where one of your best players goes to a 10 from the field, this team is deep, man. This team is absolutely deep. And <laughs> I don't know, just a phenomenal victory, man. It's Max Struess. That is exactly why you bring him in. And I know I'm just I'm unhinged right now. Guys, trust me, I, I planned on coming on here and going post game. And I had a whole script written out about what I was going to talk about. But that Struce, that Struce game winner just threw everything else out the window. So I'm going to try and reel myself back in a little bit and talk about the specifics of this game. Now, this was one that I honestly felt like Cleveland, they might let slip away heading into that fourth quarter. I, I genuinely felt as if Cleveland was going to let this one slip away as the game waned on. Because Kyrie, like I mentioned, Kyrie entered halftime with eight points. Um, and he, he finished the game with 30 Luca was his dominant self. But when you consider the fact that that Cleveland at one point had a 15 point lead and then it completely evaporated, it completely evaporated. I, I honestly felt like this was probably one that the Cavs were going to end up just, just letting go, but they, they, they fought back, they held on and, they managed to do something incredible, and that's got to be a confidence booster for Struess, who is not necessarily having the most efficient season of his uh, of his first go around in Cleveland, as he's just prior to tonight just shooting thirty three point three percent from the field, uh, um, from three point range rather, forty one and a half percent from the field, thirty three point three percent from three point distance prior to tonight's game, and tonight knocking down seven to ten. That's that's good for the percentages. That is good for the percentages. So um, Max's uh, three-point percentage is going to go up. But the point of the story is that Max has not experienced the most efficient year from three-point distance, but he's added in other areas, right? Like the playmaking, dished out four more assists today. The camaraderie and the chemistry that he has 
with the bigs and Donovan Mitchell, Mikey McNuggets. We kind of talked about this on the uh, on my last pod. One of the plays that he was able to go out there and run something is some of the pick and roll actions with with Donovan Mitchell, right? And those two, the way that they've been able to operate like that, and that's that's a JB thing too, right? JB is scheming that up a little bit, and for Max to be able to go out there and do that in tonight's game, that was phenomenal. And Max wasn't even the only person tonight that I felt like had a really really good game. Let's talk about Isaac Okoro a little bit because Isaac. Just just three of five from the field, including two of four from three point distance. But man, he's a he's looking as confident as he ever has out there on his way to nine points, six boards, and five assists. He's really dishing the ball, really distributing, playing out in transition, knocking down that three ball, unafraid. One of the things that I loved most, one of the sequences that I loved most from Isaac tonight was a pull up mid range jumper. Did anybody else see that? I know I'm not crazy. I, I that was the one play. Yeah, yes, it, it's nice to see him go out there and knock down the triples, especially if they're being more and more contested now because people are starting to to send defenders his way. But the the best thing that I saw tonight from him outside of the defense and and, and, and three-point shot making was that mid-range pull-up. Having the confidence to do that, that was nice. That was really nice. And Isaac, man, he, we, we know what he is on the defensive end. It may not show it <laughs> because of the fact that Luca and Kyrie and company, they were able to score 75 or oh, 75 combined points. But he had a really good game. And I know I saw a lot of complaints that Okoro was not playing. He was not matched up enough with Luca and, and Kyrie. But I mean, sometimes that, that shit just happens. We saw Max did his best to try and hold his own on Luca. And, Luca's gonna get his. That's the thing. Like Luca, he, he was phenomenal in that Cavs' first matchup with the Mavericks. I'm, this is where I mean I'm gonna kind of try and reel myself back in <laughs> off of going off of pure emotion here. But in that first matchup, which was a nail biter, by the way, both sides they had some key pieces missing. Darius Garland was gone. Donovan Mitchell wasn't there. Um, I believe Evan Mobley did not appear. Kyrie Irving wasn't in that. They all missed that first round. Um, and, and this game honestly felt much the same because that one could have gone either way as well. And anytime you play against a premier offensive talent like Luka, you just know that the contest could be in the balance at the drop of a hat. And it, it constantly felt like that tonight. And, you know, he definitely came to play in that last one. He put up 39 tonight. He put up 45. <laughs> I mean, you just never know what you're going to get in regards to Luka, no matter you th who you throw out there to defend him. But in that last game, it was the com it was the trio of Karis LeVert, Isaac Okoro, and Jared Allen who combined for 75 points uh, to to kind of coincide uh, with that 39 from Luka, and ended up they ended up winning that game. And Jared Allen, he was especially dominant as he pulled down 23 boards in addition to his 24 points. Now, tonight's matchup, like I said, it was just as competitive. And the key difference, obviously, was that Donovan, Darius, and Evan were healthy. And on the other side, Kyrie Irving was out there, too. And so I just I did not know what was going to end up happening. I felt like the Cavs had a really good chance to win tonight, and I'm glad they did. But this game really could have gone either way. And speaking of Irvin, right, this was his sixth time playing against Cleveland in Cleveland and his 11th time against the Winding Golders overall since his trade. And in the 10 games prior to tonight, 
he put up averages of 24.9 points, 4.6 rebounds, and 5.7 assists, while completing over 51.9% of his field goal attempts, including a scorching hot 43.1% from three-point distance. The motherfucker can ball. We we know that, right? Like I said, he spent six seasons here, and he gave us some of the best memories, just some of the best memories in a post-LeBron world. And, you know, whether it be his doubled nickel game against the Portland Trailblazers, in which uh, I believe Fred McLeod was quoted as saying, Kai Ridiculous, one of the all-time best calls in Cleveland history, or his 57-point affair against the San Antonio Spurs, in which he drilled a buzzer beater to force overtime in a game uh, that the Cavs would ultimately end up winning 128 to 125. And most importantly, the one that we all remember, right, is the shot against Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors that is probably, again, the biggest shot in NBA Finals history. Just gave us a lot of good memories. And he kicked off the first post-LeBron era. And for a time, honestly, Kyrie was my favorite player uh, Fred, probably my favorite Cavalier of all time. He even exceeded LeBron at one point just because he was so fun to watch. And mind you, this was at a point, I, I don't think I've ever told this story, or at least many probably haven't heard me say it. There was a point at which I was going to name one of my kids after Kyrie, after he helped deliver a title to Cleveland. That's how I held him in high regard. Suffice to say that. I, he, he's box office appointment viewing. And honestly, depending upon how you feel about it, you know, no matter how you feel about the person that he has become or the player that he has become since he has left Cleveland, he gave us some special memories. And I know all the off the court stuff that, that adds another element to it, but I agree with what tune in sports says down here. And that's that Kyrie needs his Jersey retired. I've, I mean, Cleveland's going to do it. It's going to happen eventually uh, once his playing days are up, but man, just, to, to, to have him come back to town and, and, and give the fans a show, even on the opposite side, still fun to watch, even if it comes at Cleveland's expense. I Kill me for saying that, but it's still fun to watch this dude play basketball. And honestly, it, it like I said, he had eight points at half, and he quickly doubled that, if more, in the third quarter when he just completely started to scorch the twine. And we know how crafty he is with the ball in his hands. Um, he, he has the best handles in NBA history, in my opinion, but tonight it was a shot making, right? It was the fact that he was out there just shooting the lights out and we know how phenomenal that he can be when he gets on a heater and in a game where he is in, the, he ends up putting up 30 and, and Luca puts up 45. I'll say this for the millionth time to, to be able to overcome that just phenomenal. And I'll put it this way because people may not be aware of this. Only three Dallas rotation members were able to reach uh, double figures tonight. It was Kyrie with 30, Luka with 45, uh, and P.J. Washington, who was recently acquired by them, who had 11. Nobody else finished in double figures. That should tell you a lot. Cleveland, on the other hand, let's talk about them. One, two, three, four, five, six different players reached double figures, and at least seven at least seven scored eight or more points. Just balanced shot making. In a night where Darius is not necessarily, doesn't have it going on from the field, isn't shooting the ball too well, to be able to spread the rock like that, even though Donovan Mitchell led the way with 20 shots, because you know Donnie's going to get his, right? Especially if the game is on the line. And I think this is like the biggest difference that we have seen between Donovan and Darius. And, you know, people get on me all the time for not giving criticism. The criticism that I have for Darius at time 
is that he's not aggressive enough, right? And moments, especially when Donovan Mitchell isn't in the game, uh, when he misses time, right? You want Darius to go out there and take more shots. You want him to feel confident and not only making the right play for others and putting guys in positions to score, but when the time calls for it to, to, to go out there and take the game by the balls and, 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 and win it, right? Go out there, be aggressive, get your shot. And I think that's the biggest thing. That's the biggest difference between Donovan and Darius at this point in their respective careers is that Donovan knows how to flip that switch. Like, okay, we need a bucket. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm put that hat on and I'm I'm gonna score by any means necessary. Whether that means I'm gonna go in, draw some contact, get to the line, dive down some free throws, get an and one, or uh, knock down a timely triple. Like we saw him do, we saw him do both of those things in the fourth quarter. We saw him do both. That is the biggest separating factor right now between Donovan and Darius. And that's not to shit on Darius at all, because D- Darius is a phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal number two option. Uh, but that's that's kind of the next, that's the next step for him. And I don't know if that's something that can necessarily be cured over time. I don't know if it's something that you either have or you don't, but I know that is the biggest separating factor between those two. And as X beat puts it down here, 16 turnovers nearly killed us. Yeah. It, to put this into perspective, uh, to further paint the picture here, Dallas turned the ball over just five times to Cleveland 16 and to win the game after you have an 11, uh, an 11 turnover difference. That's crazy. That is crazy to me. And mind you, this is a game where both teams shot really, really well. Dallas shot 53% from the field. Cleveland matched that with 53% on their own. And and Dallas shot 42% from three-point distance with Cleveland shooting 50. Bro, they shot 50%. They hit 20 triples. They took 40. That's something you like to see, right? Because Cleveland, the three-point shot attempts were not too high over the last couple of games. But they got them up tonight, and I absolutely loved it. You know, anytime you get Max taking 10, you get Donovan taking 11, uh, it, it's a good night, right? Typically, when you when you see these teams start to jack up shots, it feels right. And it feels like it's going more, you're going to make more of them than you miss, uh, or you're going to get close to it, right? And I felt like that's what happened. Tom K says refs nearly killed us, at least nearly killed Darius. I am so tired of seeing Darius Garland get put in harm's way and the refs just not giving a shit about it. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like we're playing in the 80s or the 90s, right? Especially in regards to Darius. The dude just gets hit left and right. And, you know, say what you will about Darius. He's not the most durable player out there. But, I mean, can you blame him for being banged up with the way the dude has been hit? I mean, I can't, and I know a lot of people are not giving him a lot of grace, not cutting him a lot of slack, not realizing that he lost a considerable amount of weight um, with that jaw injury and having an all-liquid diet, but you got to cut him a little slack, right? And uh, Tom K says, what about the DG takedown at the end of the game? Right, right. I mean, I don't know, man. Tune in says no Sam tonight. Yeah, Sam was on the bench, right? But I was wondering like why he couldn't get any run. But at the end of the day, with Karis Avert playing pretty well, uh, he had 11, 4, and 6 on 5 or 10 from the field. And Okoro also playing really good minutes. There probably just wasn't a lot of room for him, especially in a night where Max Struess absolutely has it going on. Because if there's one player that you're like, okay, if they're not playing so well, you can probably pull a little bit of their minutes from it's Max Struess, right? Um, and you, especially for in the case of, of uh, Sam Merrill, 
you can't necessarily do that on a night where Max has it going, uh, going on, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, and this is the predicament, right? It, it sucks to see a shooter the caliber of Sam Merrill on that bench and not getting uh, too many minutes, if any at all. But that just shows you how deep this team is. And that's without even putting into perspective the fact that's, that Craig Porter Jr., who has been converted, can't see the court either. There's just there's a lot of mouths to feed, a lot of guys that are deserving of minutes, and sometimes you just get the short end of the stick. Um, I mean, case in point, Dean Wade only played nine minutes tonight, and we know how good he has been this year from on the defensive side of the ball, and he's shooting the ball pretty well too. So it just it speaks to the level of death. And so I'm not pissed. I'm not mad at JB at all. The only gripe that I ever have with JB these days is not necessarily who he plays, but how many minutes they play, right? Um, that's my biggest gripe right now because it is it's hard to work Sam and Craig and some of these other guys in here when when others are playing well, when Isaac is having a career year, when Max is shooting the ball well, when George is having a good shooting night. George, I mean, knocked down two or four from three-point distance, four or six from the field. He's starting to turn things around. I love it. And so um, it's just not a lot you can do. That's my point. Tom K says, if Max is shooting, I can live with Merrill in reserve. Yeah. And I, I mean, this is the idea right now um, in, in relation to, to the bench guys, right? That's kind of why even after converting Craig, you kind of have Craig playing with the charge now because it's better for him. If guys are playing really well, it's better for Craig to get that, that those minutes, those, those needed reps with at the G league level. That's awesome. We, we saw what the G league has been able to do for players like Sam Merrill. We saw what it, we, we've seen what it has done for, for many other guys who have come up that way as well. And so it, it sucks, but that's kind of where we're at. And if, if we're winning, how can I be mad at JB or the Cavaliers overall, just a phenomenal, phenomenal fun game tonight. Frustrating at points for sure, but fun nonetheless. And I do believe that the Cavs are back. A lot of panicky people out there. <laughs> Excuse me. A lot of people believing that the Cavs are just, you know, they, they had the all-star break and, and and not coming out with that same type of swagger and energy. They got it. Donnie just missed some time. That's all. And I think that they've gotten back to playing confident basketball. Tunin says, Mac, do you think JB will play D-Wade in the playoffs? We know Niang most likely will be in the rotation. Huh. I feel... Ever since having George Niang on the podcast, which was a very cool experience for me, um, I almost feel obligated to say yes, um, Niang. Well, I almost feel obligated to say Dean Wade might be the odd man out. I'll put it that way. Um, and that's not to say Dean won't play, but his minutes will probably come and go as George does, right? If George is playing well, you probably are not going to see too much of Dean Wade outside of needing uh, a switch up, right? A defensive minded, um, a defensive minded power forward out there because we know as good of a shooter as Niang is, he is not a noted defender. Although he'll surprise you at times, he'll use his body out there. He uses his frame to to stymie guys and draw charges at certain points. Or, uh, you know, my point is that he'll surprise you defensively. But in regards to the playoffs when you're probably going to see an eight to nine minute rotation, I just, I struggle with it. Right. I, I really struggle because initially my playoff rotation was the starting five as it is right now. 
Um, Karis LeVert is your sixth man. Isaac Okoro is number seven. And then uh, Dean Wade as number eight. Um, and it, it just the the ninth the ninth spot could go anywhere between Sam Merrill or 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 George Niang or maybe even Tristan Thompson when you need a traditional five. And so it, it's tough, right? I, I struggle with that so much because these guys they're all deserving minutes in some form or another. And some guy sometimes a player that is deserving is going to be the odd man out. Tom K says Niang floater is the difference maker. Now at the beginning of the season, Tom, that should look terrible. <laughs> I I cringed. I cringed so badly when I saw Niang doing that because he moves in slow motion and you just he looks like Adam Sandler out there at points, right? Like <laughs> um, no disrespect, George, if you just so happen to be watching it. Uh, but no, I, I used to hate seeing that. I, I really seriously did. Um Tune in says, looks like this is the playoff rotation. Yeah, I mean, Karis is going to get 20-plus minutes. Isaac, as long as he's playing the way that he is, he's going to get 20-plus. And Yang, if he's shooting the ball like he is, he's the next guy. That's your top eight right there with Dean and Merrill being your next guys. And that's it. That's all she wrote. That's That's probably what it is right now. And for people out there that are clamoring for more Merrill or more Wade, it sucks. Trust me. I'm a fan of both players, but it really is dependent upon the ebb and flow of how things are going. Is a certain guy shooting well? Is he, is he being ineffective out there defensively? Is he hurting the team? Can't really speak to any of those things right now because that's not what we're seeing out of those top eight on most nights. Even on nights where, um, where George isn't necessarily shooting the ball too well. Um, it's not like Dean has come in and completely offset that with sharp shooting of his own. We know Dean is incredibly efficient with the looks that he takes, but the problem with Dean, much like it has been with Goro in the past, is volume. And the one thing that Niang has going for him when his shot is not falling is the fact that he is a volume shooter to a degree. He will go out there and let the ball fly no matter if he makes or misses, and the defense still has to respect him. He is coming off of five straight seasons shooting 40% or better from three-point distance, and he has gravitational pull. It's the same conversation that you can have with Max Strews, who he, he is a volume shooter, right? The percentages are not great, and they're sure to go up after tonight's explosion, but the percentages overall on the season for him aren't great. The thing that he has working – in his favor is the fact that he draw he draws gravity, he generates gravitational pull, and by virtue of that, that opens up the paint that frees the, the the painted area up for the drivers and the distributors of the ball, like Darius and Donovan, to go in and attack or go out and kick out, or guys to cut, right? And it, it opens up a lot of different things. Uh, just some guy from Cleveland says JB is underrated. Yeah, I, I mean I'm a, a JB. Supporter. Some people would even call me a JB apologist. I don't agree with that that final term, but I call it like I see it. JB deserves his respect. He deserves his flowers. But I also understand that JB is probably not going to get that respect until he does something about it in the postseason. And I'm okay with that. I've come to terms with that. And honestly, I think that's where everybody probably lies at in some form or another, especially in regards to the Cavs team as a whole. Um, it's cool to see them operate this way in the, the, in the regular season and experience regular season success. But the next step in their elevation is that playoff success. And 
obviously that's what we're working towards. That is what's going to determine, in my opinion, whether or not Donovan Mitchell signs on that dotted line or not is a competitive postseason showing. It's not title or bust yet, in my opinion, although I, I won't rule it out, right? Anything is possible, but it's not necessarily title or bust. But with that being said, you still have to have a considerable amount of postseason success, in my opinion, for Donovan Mitchell to resign with this team. And I feel like that's going to happen, but uh, it, time will tell, right? Performances like tonight where you have guys just absolutely coming to life in that fourth quarter, um, they, they tell me everything I need to know, that this team is capable. They just have to do it when the time comes, right? To see um, to see Max go out there and drill fourth quarter, uh, four fourth quarter triples in the span of just 67 seconds. That tells me that he can be clutch if need be. I know what happened in the playoffs with him last year. I know he struggled from three-point distance in that postseason showing with Miami. But I still believe that he has what it takes to, to get the job done. That And that's just where I'm at. And I have the utmost confidence in Donovan Mitchell. And to a latter extent, I know people are going to hate me saying this, but I, I still believe in Darius Garland. I do believe that when the time comes, when you're going to need to count on him, because you will, you will end up needing Darius Garland in that postseason because teams are going to lock in on Donovan Mitchell like they are not doing in the regular season. I do believe that they're going to have to count on Darius Garland when it matters most, and I think he's going to come through. I'm going to stay on this side. I'm not going to flip-flop on that, and I'm just going to believe, and that's where I'm at right now with him. Um. Just some guy from Cleveland also says, do you think Mitchell signs extension? I do, but I also think that's contingent upon the Cavs experiencing considerable postseason success. What do I mean by considerable? Got to win the first round at least, and you have to, at the very least, you have to make a six to seven game series in the second round against a true contender. True contenders, that would be the Boston's of the world. I know people, um, I don't know how people feel about Milwaukee, but I consider Milwaukee a contender. New York, New York's up there too. That's the series that we all won, I know. Um, New York versus Cleveland. But as the seeding is right now, they would have to meet sometime after the first round unless teams, unless these two teams just completely bottom out, right, and, and they fall down in the standings, which I do not see happening for either team because both are just phenomenal teams. Um, both in my opinion, got better after the the second half. Cleveland, by virtue of getting guys back and healthy, and New York, by way of getting um, not, not not the postseason. Uh, um, excuse me, I almost spoke. Not the um, not the All Star break. The trade deadline after the trade deadline. I feel like both got better. Cleveland, by virtue of getting guys healthy, and Donovan uh, and Darius and Evan, and New York by getting some of the guys that they got over there in OG, uh, you know, and, and some of the other dudes. But my my overall point is that Cleveland has to show Donovan that they are serious and that they can win in the postseason before he signs on the dotted line, and I do feel like that's going to happen. Talking Grub Media also says, Ty Lue didn't get his respect from the fans, and he won the Cavs a championship. Some fans feel if the coach isn't Phil Jackson <laughs> or Pat Riley, they're trash. It just speaks to the level of patience that fans just don't have. And 
I have never understood why people are of mindset that it's always Tyler bust. Yes. A championship is always the goal, but you just have to be honest with yourself sometimes and just understand that your team is just not quite there yet. And you can't keep moving on from coach to coach, to coach, to coach. At some point you have to have a level of continuity in Cleveland. They're building that right now uh, with JB and company in this current core. And I do feel like it's eventually going to pay off, but again, um, JB's probably not going to get his respect until he had, ha- experiences some playoff success. Because if I am not mistaken, JB's current postseason record, I think it sits at two and eight. It's either two and eight or two and ten between the last season's playoff collapse and his first career postseason outing with the Houston Rockets. Um, yeah. And so until he experiences that playoff success, that's just probably where fans are at with him. Um, I've never been of the mindset that he should be fired because I feel like he has elevated his uh, his level of coaching every single season. You've seen him grow out there. Hell, I mean, him being able to cobble together these lineups and call some of the specific play calls and, and be better um, and more timely calling the timeouts and better with ATOs, right? Um especially in a season where you have missed so many of your uh, so many starters have missed so many games and multiple starters at that. So I, I, that's why I believe he deserves his respect and his flowers because he's done a damn fine job with this team and I, I couldn't be happier with him. And so I also understand that if he, if that does not happen in regards to the playoffs, he's probably going to be fired. And I can't argue it, right? If he goes out in the first round again, yeah, you fire him. And I'm okay with that. I've made peace with that idea as well. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's always a possibility. Uh, I don't know, man. And I, like I said, I know I'm kind of going on a rain here, but man, it was just such a, a, a phenomenal showing from this team to see Max do what he did, to see Donovan go out there and take over down the stretch as well. To see Jared Allen. I mean, Jared, like I said, he had 24 points and 23 rebounds in that first matchup. And then to turn right around in round two and have 19 and nine on a very efficient seven and nine from the field, he steps up. These guys are stepping up. And and and, and, and that's all I can ask on a night where Darius is just two of 10 from the field. I don't know. Not much else to say. Uh, we move on. Cavaliers. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first half of a back-to-back. I think they take on the Chicago Bulls tomorrow. Chicago, um, they're not as bad as their record indicates, so you got to kind of be careful with them. But they're certainly not a team that Cleveland should be fearful of. Um, you don't want to, again, you don't want to take any team in the NBA too lightly because that's how you end up with an L. But this should theoretically continue to this team should be able to reel off some wins right and we know that this latter half of the season it does have some doozies i mean we already we already found that out the hard way in the games against some of these teams that we've played since coming back but yeah i mean the Cavs, they are now um they've now won their past two games tomorrow hopefully they can make that three in a row and you know they face off with Detroit on Friday, and then the matchup that we've all been waiting for since the trade deadline has occurred: the New York Knicks. They face off with the New York Knicks on Sunday, March the third. That one, folks, pencil it in. That's going to be box office. That's one that's that that puts asses in seats right there. And I know 
um, just from a personal level, I hope they really take it to New York. I hope they just pound them. <laughs> I mean, I, I really do. I, every time we see those motherfuckers, I just, now they got to win or I'm just going to be pissed um, the rest of the night. And I hope that doesn't happen, but performances like tonight show me just how capable this team is, especially down the stretch. I know I've rambled on enough, so I'm going to kind of cut out of here, but before I get out of here. I just want to say thanks everybody for uh, tuning in uh, and listening to me sound like a madman. If this is your first time watching the podcast, consider subscribing, hit that like button, share it up. You know what to do. All that good stuff that, you know, the the YouTube standard stuff that we kind of have to say, feel obligated to say, right, to grow our channels. But uh, I truly do appreciate all the support and you guys rocking with me and hanging with me because it's fun to go on these post games and and talk ball when i'm i'm tired <laughs> i'm tired as fuck dealing with these kids um that said as i always tell you guys if you'd like to reach out to me you know how you can it's cavalier underscore pot on twitter tiktok instagram youtube and more if you'd like to be added to the it's cavalier discord chat you know what to do leave a rating leave a review send a screenshot of said review to it's cavalier 53 at gmail.com and i will send you an invite uh just as i was telling mikey on the last pod i have messed that up so many times it feels good to string a few together and, and get it right. And I feel like that's what Cleveland is doing right now. And I hope that hope that they can continue to build upon this win and, and go make it 3-0 tomorrow against Chicago. Go Cavs. Have a good night.